Hello everyone and welcome to some more Naya Wrestling. It's me here, Mark Sylvester, and I'm here to show long-time fans and non-fans why wrestling is so good. And welcome today guys to another edition of the Big Four Pay-Per-View Review. What the Big Four Pay-Per-View Review is, it's where I do a review of all of AEW's and WWE's Big Four Pay-Per-Views. And so then guys, for today's edition of the Big Four Pay-Per-View Review, I'm going to be reviewing the Royal Rumble 2023. Everything is bigger in Texas. And in 2023, the 36th annual Royal Rumble will be no exception. The road to WrestleMania begins with 30 men and 30 women vying for a chance at immortality, a championship opportunity in the main event of WrestleMania. Since its inception in 1988, WWE Hall of Famer Pat Patterson's vision has spurred countless iconic moments. Undertaker Becky Lynch with foot one foot. Drew McIntyre's going to WrestleMania with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. We've witnessed a total of 1,250 competitors enter the fray, but only 32 superstars, a staggeringly low 2.5% of participants have won it all. Of the 32 winners, 19 have gone on to win a world championship at WrestleMania, including the EST of WWE, who's proven herself as the Iron Woman of the Royal Rumble. In 2021, Bianca Belair spent the longest time in a women's Royal Rumble match, 57 minutes, 12 seconds to win it all. In 2006, Rey Mysterio entered at number two and lasted a record 62 minutes, 12 seconds to claim victory. Although early entry is an uphill battle, we've witnessed inspired performances from the number one spot including WWE Hall of Famers Shawn Michaels and Edge, who both went bell to bell to come out on top. Entry into the Rumble at a later position significantly increases your odds of being the last one standing. The final 10 entrants have won 78% of the time. Over the years, we've seen some mind-blowing performances. Kofi, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And there's been no shortage of celebrity sightings. Bad buddies here! Buddies fly! And epic returns. What? It's John Cena! Edge is here! It's been nine long years! And this year will be no different with the return of the American Nightmare. At the Royal Rumble, I'm back. The Royal Rumble has been host to legendary performances, but not everyone is ready for the spotlight. Oh, oh my God, God. <laughs> what the heck? What a tight is just, oh my God. Winning the Royal Rumble once is difficult enough, but only a select few have returned to the mountaintop. John Cena, Batista, Randy Orton wins the Rumble. Nine superstars have won twice, including Brock Lesnar. 19 years after his first Rumble win, Brock Lesnar repeats. The Beast Incarnate has conquered the record books, earning the top mark for eliminations in a traditional Royal Rumble. In 2020, Brock Lesnar threw an astounding 13 superstars consecutively over the top rope. 
When it comes to the most prolific Rumble competitors in history, no one brings the heat like the Big Red Machine. Kane has competed in a record 18 Rumble matches, tallying a record 45 total eliminations. On the women's side, no one has ruled over the competition like Charlotte Flair. In just four Royal Rumble appearances, the Queen holds the record with 15 total eliminations. This year's event will mark a record-setting fourth time San Antonio has hosted the Royal Rumble and third time in the Alamo Dome. The first time was in 1997 when the Texas Rattlesnake won his first Rumble match. Stone Cold Steve Austin would go on to set the record for most Royal Rumble victories with three. Oh, hell yeah! This year, WrestleMania goes Hollywood at SoFi Stadium, and the long, arduous journey begins at the Royal Rumble. What records will be broken? What iconic moments await? Whose dream will be fulfilled? Who will punch their ticket to the main event of WrestleMania? Now, to begin with, guys, we had the Royal Rumble match in itself where you had um, Gunther come out first, then you had Sheamus, then The Miz, then Kofi Kingston, then Johnny Gargano, and then Xavier Woods, and then Karrion Cross, and then Chad Gable, and then Drew McIntyre, and then Santos Escobar. Next you have was Angelo Dawkins, and then Brock Lesnar, then you had Bobby Lashley, then you had Baron Corbin, then following that you had Seth Rollins, then we had Otis. Rey Mysterio was, uh, was actually going to be out next, but he didn't appear. But then you had Dominic Mysterio come out wearing a Rey Mysterio mask and ripping it on the, onto his way to the ring. Then you had Elias. Then you had Finn Balor. Next you had was Booker T making a surprise, being one of the surprise entrances. Because with the Royal Rumble being in San Antonio and being in the um, like state where he lives being Texas, it was quite cool to have Booker T come out looking amazing as ever. Then you had Damian Priest. Then you had Montez Ford. Next you had was Edge returning. Then you had Austin Theory. Next up was Omos. Then you had Braun Strowman. Then we had Ricochet. Next we have was the returning Logan Paul. And finally we had Cody Rhodes. Now, the winner of the match in itself was Cody Rhodes. I mean, overall, guys, I thought that the match was really, really good. Gunther was the Iron Man lasting for over 70 minutes. I thought that was crazy. There was some really cool moments where you had Brock facing off against Gunther, which I'm hoping they're going to do for WrestleMania. But I just think it was really cool to have Cody come back, Cody win the Rumble, and I thought the way that they did this first worked really, really well because you, you didn't want it to uh, be one of those situations where, where what happens in the main event happened early in the night because then the fans would just turn on Cody Rhodes. And I think by them doing it early in the night, it helps... Cody Rhodes as well as a story um, carry on in itself because you wouldn't want Cody Rhodes to be booed because he was the returning babyface after being out for six plus months recovering from his pec injury as you wanted him to have that amazing babyface fire. And the next match we had guys was between Bray Wyatt versus LA Knight. 
there was a re- it was really cool because obviously it was the Mountain Dew match and stuff. I thought it was quite interesting that they had the um, the ropes and LA Knight were all glow in the dark and stuff. You had LA Knight hit this really big move onto Bray Wyatt through the table and you had all this like just Mountain Dew liquid just come out the announce table onto the um, the floor. And then to win, Bray Wyatt hits his sister Abigail and gets the one, the two and the three. I thought this match was okay for what it was. I mean, Bray Wyatt, the way he came out was just epic with the music and stuff. And he had the really cool like Jeff Hardy look from 2009 with like the painted arm stuff. And they were really cool when they glowed in the dark as well. And I just think for me, hopefully this will end the feud because I think for me, um, LA Knight is too good for this kind of feud. But I also think Bray Wyatt's too good as well too. Because Bray Wyatt's one of those amazing wrestlers. And with LA Knight, because he is the future, I'm hoping that after this he's going to go on to become a bigger and better star, which I think he should be because he is basically one of the best talkers that um, WWE have. And I think every time I ever see him talk on SmackDown or I see him interact and stuff, and I think him leaving the Max and Mel models was really good for him. Because even though the Max and Mel models in itself are amazing gimmick in itself and stuff and I've loved some of their videos that they've done online especially their um their karate training thing and stuff and being a black belt myself I thought that was quite funny uh with that video and stuff but I think for me LA Knight needs to go on to fight in a really big feud and show off to the fans WWE uh because he's already proved it in NXT he's already proved it in Impact Wrestling for example why LA Knight is the future of professional wrestling and why LA Knight is awesome and the next match we had, guys, was for the Raw Women's Championship. And this was between Bianca Belair versus Alexa Bliss. Bianca hits a rainmaker onto Bliss where she gives her a short clothesline. You have um, Bliss attacking Bianca's leg. Then you have Bliss yanking at uh, Bianca's hair. And she puts her into this really big like wrestling submission move. And stuff. I thought it was a really cool moment because even though she's giving Bianca a submission move. She's also using the braid of her hair to add extra pressure to the move. Um, then you have Bliss hits the big double knees where you've got Bianca like um, on the middle right on Brett's rope and you have uh, Bliss jump and hit her. Then you have Bianca hitting Bliss in the corner with, with the 10 big punches. The one, two, three, four, five. And I thought it was really, really cool because it's something that you don't really see much nowadays considering how... These um, kind of move, uh, moves are kind of more of like an old school 80s, 90s kind of thing. We used to see them quite a lot back in the day where I remember watching an old school like WrestleMania or the old UK Rampage pay-per-view and that kind of thing as well. And you would just see the punch as well. I thought it was really cool. Um, then you had Bianca with a big sleeper hold from the top right where she's wrenching onto um, Bianca. And then you had Bliss hits a really big DDT which gets a great near fall. And then you have... Um, Bianca hitting the KOD for the win and she retains the Raw Women's Championship. I thought this match was quite good. I mean, it wasn't the best match ever. I mean, for me, Bianca's had better matches, but for what it did after the matches, they were kind of showing off more of Bliss as the crazy sort of demon, like Bray Wyatt sort of like co-character, that kind of thing as well. And I also think for me as well too, that um, even though the match in itself was quite short as well, it made both women look really, really good and it made Bianca look amazing as ever because Bianca is amazing. She is a star. And it'll be really, really cool to see what she goes on to do in the future because Bianca is a bona fide star. And the next match we had was the Women's Royal Rumble. 
so the first entrant was Rhea Ripley. Then you had Liv Morgan. And then you had Dana Brooke. Then you had Emma. Then you had Shayna Baszler. Then you had Bailey. Next was B-Fab. Then you had Roxanne Perez. Then you had Dakota Sky. Then you had EO Sky. Then you had Natalia. Then you had Canister Ray. Then you had Zoe Stark. Then you had Zia Lee. Then you had Becky Lynch. Next you had was Tegan Knox. Then you had Asuka who came out as this amazing uh, demon version of herself which is basically Kana when she used to wrestle in Japan. Then you had Piper Niven which is awesome to finally have her lose that ridiculous name being Dewdrop. It's great to have her back with her actual proper name. Then you had Tamina. Then you had Chelsea Green. Next you had was Lena Vega. Then we had Raquel Rodriguez. The next was Maya Yim. Then you had Lacey Evans. And then you had Michelle McCall who was in the front row because before the match they were like presenting her to the crowd and stuff and then she then came into the ring and did some big moves on some people and stuff as well then you had Indy Hartwell next was Sonya Deville then you had Indy Hartwell next was Sonya Deville then we had Shotzi then we had Nikki Cross and finally we had Nia Jax now um obviously we had the winner being Rhea Ripley I thought that was really, really cool because it had for the first Royal Rumble since they introduced the Royal Rumble for the women back in 2018. And it was really, really cool to see someone go and do the the whole match from being number one all the way to the end because it adds more to the women's uh, Royal Rumble. It makes it seem more important and it kind of adds more of that more of the um, stats and the history to what the men's Royal Rumble is. And the fact that it was Rhea Ripley as well, it was amazing too because... Rhea Ripley is fucking awesome and it'll be awesome to see what she does in the future. And the next match we had, guys, was between Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. Now this match was really, really cool because you had Roman Reigns come out with all came out uh, with all the bloodline, but then he sent most of them back where it was just him, Paul Heyman, and Sami Zayn and stuff. I thought it was really, really cool. Like you started off where you had Roman hitting a big shot of barge onto Owens. Then you had Owens hit this amazing big backsplash onto Roman. Then you had Owens hitting a cannonball onto um, Reigns, who was on the bottom rope. And then you had Roman with a massive big running drop kick. Then you had Owens with a huge, and I mean a massive frog splash onto Roman on the outside. Then you had Owens hit the move again, but he put Roman into the ring. But you had um, Roman kick out. Roman then hits a huge powerbomb. Roman with a massive Superman punch. Roman then hits a spear, but then Kevin Owens kicks out. Then you had Owens hit a big pop-up powerbomb, but the referee was knocked out at the time. Then you had Roman hitting Owens with a blow-blow. Roman then hits another spear onto Kevin Owens, which he then he kicks out from that move. Then you had Roman hitting this amazing huge spear through the announcer's area onto um, Owens. I thought this moment was fucking crazy just to see that big bump that um, both Owens and Roman took and then he had Roman hit slamming um, Owens's head onto the steel steps then he had Owens getting put back into the ring where he was hit by another spear and the one the two and the three and Roman Reigns is still the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. I thought this match was pretty good as well it adds a lot to the story of What's happening, obviously, with the Bloodline storyline, the Kevin Owens storyline, the Sami Zayn storyline. I know the match in itself was quite 
short compared to what I thought it was going to be and that kind of thing. But what I'm going to be talking about next that you kind of understand why they did it like this and stuff. And they wanted to obviously put over the moment it's going to happen next, that kind of thing too. So what happens next was the bloodline then starts pummeling down onto Owens and stuff and they handcuff him to the ropes. Obviously, um, Roman wants Sami Zayn to hit him again, but Sami Zayn's like saying, no, he's had enough, he's had enough. Like, you know, he's had basically had the shit kicked out of him. But then when Roman Reigns turns away, Sami Zayn then hits Roman Reigns in the back and it was literally shot for shot of what happened back in 2014 when Seth turned on the shield. And I thought the moment was just insane. The crowd pop was just massive. The look on everyone's faces was just crazy. Then you had um, Jimmy Uso super kicking Sami Zayn. But then you had Jay Uso leaving the ring and being like, I'm, I'm done with this. And he just leaves and stuff. And I just think for me, this whole storyline, this whole moment in itself was just fucking amazing. And it's just going to be fucking awesome to see what's going to happen now throughout this storyline. And I think for me, the whole storyline of the bloodline of Sami Zayn, of Roman Reigns and, and, and everything else is so compelling, is so interesting is just so amazing that i'm actually really excited to see what's going to happen next and i think for me as well as much as i want Cody Rose to win and dethrone roman reigns i also want Sami Zayn to do it as well because i felt like because the fact that the storyline has felt so natural Sami Zayn is so naturally over the whole storyline in itself was just so naturally over i just think for me this whole event is just amazing it would just be really cool to see what's going to happen next and going on to who my MVP is of the night would have to go to Sami Zayn I mean his reactions and his I'd be like oh, I care about Owens but then also at the same time he's part of the bloodline and then the way that he turned on Roman Reigns then you had the fact that Jey Uso who a couple years ago was the one against Roman Reigns but then actually he was the one who um, was against Sami Zayn but then was on Sami Zayn's side but then you kind of have that whole story of obviously of the two years ago of Jay fighting against Roman and stuff. I thought that was just awesome too. And I just think the whole Bloodline story in general has just been some of the most compelling um, stuff on TV. It's been some of the most compelling and interesting storylines and segments and just everything in general about WWE at the moment. And it would just be awesome to see what's going to happen in the future. And I'm so excited for what's going to happen with Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn and the Bloodline in general. And my match of the night, guys... Would have to go to the Men's Royal Rumble. I mean, this match was just fantastic. You had Gunther lasting pretty much to the end. I know I know he didn't win, but the fact that he lasted to literally the last two wrestlers in the match was fantastic. You had the great stare down with him and um, Brock Lesnar. You had the amazing moment, as much as I'm not a Logan Paul fan as a person. The fact that he did an amazing springboard with Ricochet was insane. He had some amazing other good moments and spots too. And I think for me... Compared to what happened at last year's Royal Rumble, this match was 10 times, no, even 100 times better than the last year's one was. And it's just awesome to see just how well Triple H, Paul Levesque is booking WWE in the fact that it's making everything coherent. Everything makes sense. Uh, the announcers sound way more happy to be there. Um, the announcers actually sound more engaged and more actually they care about the product and they mention different things as well. Like obviously, when um, Asuka came out as basically Kana, they were mentioning obviously her time in Japan and they mentioned it before about EO Sky and Dakota Kai, what they've done and, all, and everything else in general too. And I just think for me, WWE has been my favourite promotion of 2022 and 
and looking at 2023, it's looking like it's still going up in that. Um, it's still going to potentially continue to be like that. And it's just awesome to see what Chip Rachel is going to do for WrestleMania. And it's so interesting to see what they're going to be doing for WrestleMania night one and night two. And that, my friends, was my big four pay-per-view review on the Royal Rumble 2023. Let me know, guys, in the comments below what your match of the night was and what you think about the event in itself. I mean, how do you think it compares to other Royal Rumbles? I mean, what do you think about the whole Bloodline storyline as well? Um, is there any other particular storylines you are more compelled by, like maybe the Bray Wyatt storyline, the Alexa Bliss storyline, or even potentially Gunther and Brock Lesnar. I would love to hear you guys think. And also as well, guys, please don't forget to like, follow and subscribe to all, all the different social medias, podcast networks and YouTube too. This has been No Wrestling, guys. I have been your amazing host, as always, Mark Sylvester. And don't forget, guys, to take care. And always remember the Royal Rumble.